the scripture reading the scripture reading comes today from First Corinthians. If I can get there. Chapter 14, verses 26 through 40. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in, each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for all can prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. <clears throat> or was it from you that the word of God came? Or, you the, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not be afraid, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done in de- decency, decently and in order. The word of the Lord. Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. So I decided to pick a passage of the scripture that does not at all controversial. We're good. The woman thing, no problem. Tongues, charismatic stuff, no problem. Just easy stuff today. With that in mind, um, you know, I like to get crazy up here a little bit sometimes, but today's going to be more teachy, so just hang in there. Um, I don't always like to be teachy, but there's some things we need to learn today when we think about the vision of Christ Central Church. And uh, what we do in here, we describe as an authentic worship of God. It's one of our vision items. And um, so there is no more confusing and dividing issue in churches than worship, than how the church and its gifts and people who are called to participate in it get along in it. And so we're going to dig right in to look at what God has to teach us about being a church with an authentic worship a biblical worship, a relevant worship, and a Christ-centered worship. This letter is from the Apostle Paul, and it was written at a time when Christianity was doing its beta presentation, its demo, if you will, its first go at it. And as you can imagine, it had some crazy results. And this especially in this Corinthian world of polytheistic, intellectualizing, pontificating, sensual, and class-based society. It was definitely a different place and culture of Christianity, and subsequently their worship services were done just a little differently than our Sunday a.m. services. Apparently, from what we can gather from the passage before us, back then, almost everybody 
came to church service or church gatherings, if you will, with something to sing or something to say or share. As Paul says here, some came with hymns and others with revelations and others with tongues and interpretation. And as foreign as that might be for that to be how church works in many of your experiences, this is what Paul is speaking into. I can tell you, though, that we will run into more problems, I believe, if we see this passage as being prescriptive more than descriptive. In other words, I believe Paul is taking the practices of the Corinthian church and declaring if these things are happening in this way, as it was, then this is how they should be done to preserve the peace and purity of the church. To preserve the message and means of the gospel. To keep unity and promote the love of Jesus in that first century church setting a la Greek Corinth style. So Paul is not saying this is the way church should be done. This is the style or exact order of worship. He's saying according to how you guys do worship and come in and how you think it should be done and the way things are happening, we're having two or three past preachers apparently or maybe this is the rules that I want to put in place. And so what we do is we glean the principles from it. And so he is saying here are some basic instructions and principles, as he says at the end of verse 33, for all the congregations. Though as I look at the Bible, from what I can surmise, the other New Testament churches were not all quite like the church in Corinth. So if we are called or culturally like the church of Corinth, I admit this would be easier to get some direct application and help from. And having been in churches myself that operate a little bit more like what we see in the Corinthian churches, for those churches, these words are like a straight shot to applicable truth, right? So what can and should we A 21st century, highly cynical, critical, a lot of young believer having injured by past church experiences like this one, damaged Presbyterian denominated with Presbyterian ordained and trained pastors, thus believing for us who have it that all revelation from the Lord and prophecy comes from the closed canon, word of God alone, church, Christ central church, get from what Paul is instructing them. I believe first that God wants his people to use the gifts he has given them in an orderly fashion. And that secondly, God wants his people to use his gifts to experience his grace in worship. Look at verse 36 through 40. Was it from you that the word of God came or are you the only ones it has reached? Apparently he's talking to some people who may differ with what he's thinking and his authority. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet, In other words, if you think you something, right? Or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. It says this, and Paul, it says Excuse me, and Paul is expecting or already may have experienced that folk in the church were thinking, saying, or believing, look, man, 
The gifts are happening up in here. You know, we, we, the Spirit is moving. We have in church. We can do what we want or what we believe or can see or experience for ourselves what the Spirit is doing. And Paul's point is this. Whatever is being done in the name of God's Spirit among God's people, regardless of how awesomely supernatural or earnest or honest or urgent or important or, or solemn it might seem to you and others, especially in that real high spiritual moment or solemn deep moment must be done according to what and how I, an apostle, have said it should be done. He says here, I am writing the Lord's command to you as an apostle, the very word of God to you. You need to regulate your church practices and check them by the word of God that is coming through me and originated from the apostles and brought over from the Old Testament to give to you. And in doing so, he's saying the word I give you is not wrong. You are wrong if what you do makes conflict with what I am writing and what is written. If you don't recognize this or regulate according to the word of God, as he says in verse 38, then your gift and how you use it, regardless of how strong or powerful it is, will not and should not be accepted or recognized by the church. The ignorant, those who refuse to know, And give heed to what he is saying should be ignored. Or in deeper terms, God doesn't get or is with what you are doing, even if it does seem to create a high or deep time in the Lord or super relevant or makes people cry. If it isn't the word of God, if it's regulated by that, it is to be ignored as irrelevant. And so today... Like them, we have a word from God to guide our worship practices. But better than them, we have the finished canon in the Bible. We, we have all the letters. We, we have the Old Testament. We, and all the Jesus words that were given by God for us to have, we in the 21st century are in a better position, I would say, and more accountable position than even they were when it comes to how church and its gatherings and worship should run and happen so that we would not let anything be a part of our worship that violates or out-creates, or out-imagines, or downplays what God has said he has given for us for worship. How can I say it? Worship and its practice is regulated by the Word of God. We call it theological lingo, the regulative principle. That we should check our worship by the word of God. It's authentic and authenticated by the word of God. And our hope is to purify and correct and improve our worship, either by calling us to more or to move to less. We follow the word in worship, which is not only about what can and can't be done, but the manner and heart and reason for which it is being done. The word guides us and should guide us in all of our worship practices. And the word tells us itself here how else worship should be done. Orderly. Look at the last verse here. So, my brothers. No, verse 40. But all things should be done decently and in order. And it can mean this, with decorum and with regard to authority and rank, to have someone put together an order of worship. The word is saying that that worship according to the word of God should be done with a prescribed order under 
under the rank and authority of the church. Now, we don't see an outright mention of elders or preachers or pastors in this passage, but I agree with the commentary in this passage that I read that it assumes that when it says this in verse 29, look back with me, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. That the others mentioned here are not only individuals who should personally weigh in, judge, or test what is being said or happening gathers, but the others are those with a final veto authority of whether what is happening or being said is in decorum and in line with the word or truth of God. Thus, weigh it or test it and see whether it's true, which I believe the Bible teaches, if we look at the whole thing, is the calling of elders and pastors. The point Paul is making is that worship should be done with respect to the word of God and in doing so that the truth is authenticated by elders and leaders in the church. In other words, if an elder leader, or in this case, the the pastoral apostle Paul says, do it this way or that or that way, and it's not out of accord with the word of God, then you obey them as they are not out of accord with the word of God. And thus taking their word as God's and the spirit's directing of God. The church. Order also means that the roles and the gifts of the church give way to each other. And rank, like the gifts of tongues, gives way to the gift of interpretation, interpretation to the gift of prophecy, and then prophecy to the examination and directing of the the others, and it all to the Word of God. And God has gifted and and called us of the church to be the ones who are responsible to to hold the biblical doctrine for the church's faith and practice and order. In fact, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, like we read last week, says he's given our leaders as a gift to the church so that y'all won't be confused so things won't go crazy up in here. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some crazy leaders. I want to do an aside here at this point for one of the hardest to understand verses in all the Bible or to accept. How about that? To accept. Okay. Look at verse 34. The women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but should be in submission as the law also says if there's anything they desire to learn let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church i cannot tell you what paul fully meant by this since it appears women were allowed to prophesy in church gatherings from early writings in this book as long as their heads were covered But I can say this much according to his instruction that women should show submission to their husbands even in church gatherings. And his point may be this, that according to the order rank thing, that even in their participation in the gifts, they should not do it in a way by asking questions, don't know how they were doing it or what or why the problem was, we'll never know for sure. But they are being ordered not to participate in a way that broke with the biblical order of their marriage in some way said, or shame their place as someone's wife or as a woman who in this culture appearing to be disrespectful or possibly to make the woman, disre- the woman appear to be an authority in a way she wasn't supposed to according to the Bible. The scripture, Paul, not just here, but in other books of the Bible, calls for submission in this way. And he mentions it in the context of gender. That in that complement 
of submission in gender. There is a revelation of Jesus Christ in the church like nowhere else. And so as we complement one another, we all submit in some way and we all lead in other ways. And as we do that according to the Word of God, we learn something about God's grace we can't learn anywhere else. Now, he didn't say nothing about a woman being president. Look like you can do that. He didn't say anything about, you know, a woman leading a Fortune 500 company or, or being an Emmy Award winning producer or something like that. Didn't say anything about that. That if I worked for Linda on a film and she said, Pastor Brown, go this way, I go that way. But I want to tie it and tie it back into this call that worship be done with respect to the order of leadership and submission set by God's word and God's church for God's people. We cannot make up our own way to worship. Or go against the set of worship by our leaders or work outside of our roles as ordered by the Bible, regardless of how spiritual we feel we are, how close we feel to God. That's not a show for anybody up in here. This is worship. We are being free to worship under and in an order of worship at the church we go to. Now, we, the elders and pastors of Christ at the church, based on our take on the gifts, the needs, the issues, the call and culture of this church, and the light and guidance of the Word of God, have come up with this, your worship service. What and how we do Sunday morning and have attached to this morning service community groups and Sunday schools and prayer tribes and learning communities, some with more review and control than others. We have typically not as been as tight on community groups or prayer tribes or learning communities or Bible studies and how they happen as much as we are with this morning worship service. And we are called to do that and we'll do that and have been called by God to free you to be ministered to within this structure. And you come and submit your spiritual life and gifts to it and in it, and that is authentic worship. Man, that's difficult for us Americans to hear. We don't believe in submission. I'm afraid of it because there's crazy people out there. And you know what we think worship is? Personal. It's my personal relation with the Lord. And I don't know whether I can entrust it to this body. Worship is not personal. Jesus is at least two or three gathered. It's never been personal. Yes, you have personal times with the Lord. Yes, you can worship the Lord as a person, yes, but worship is not just personal. It just can't, that can't be the definition of your worship life. We used to have this thing at Clemson. It was stupid. When we were young Christians, jam, Jesus and me. And I think somehow we think when we come to church, it's jam. It's not jam. Can't think of a word right now. It's worship. In the S word, submission, is a huge part of that. Don't you see that that is exactly the whole message that Paul is giving us? We can't all just run and do what we want. I'm submitted to the Presbyterian. I'd love to do a lot of things that I want. 
And it's irritating. Can we do this? No. Can we do this? Well, let's have a learning, community, a learning committee and write a paper on it. Oh, man. It's got to go up to General Assembly, come down, be approved by two-thirds of the press state. Then you can do what you want. See you in two years. point is, regardless of how the worship service looks, by the word of God, there must be for your sake, the people's spiritual safety, to avert spiritual abuses in the glory of God that elders and spiritual leaders design and regulate and guard even what goes on up in here by the word of God. We've decided not to have everything that other churches do and have decided to do some things that some churches don't do. But like all churches, we're submitting to God's call to provide and do biblical order and rank and worship. Music, we do a certain way. We do it in a way where nobody leaves completely happy. I mean, you, it, it, the Vegas odds in church at Christ Central are low, right? The odds that you're going to roll the dice. Woo, man, they did every song I like today. Man, that that sermon, I completely understood it. Woo! I felt completely comfortable today. Man, the odds of you leaving church like that at this church is slim. And we designed it that way. But we hope that every single roll of dice you take on Sunday morning, every single time, Christ would be elevated. Yeah, we, we might change things. I told people the music we do, it, it, it ain't forever. It don't have to be. Maybe we'll do cello and violin one day. Do, 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 do. That's what I was raised on. Started playing the violin at age five. My dad was in the symphony. I was in the youth symphony. I grew up with classical music. This ain't even me. My dad comes and visits the church. He's like, what y'all doing up in there? And sorry, musicians, I think you're great, but he judges you guys. Look at those musicians. Look how they dress. What are, what are they doing with those cups up there? It's coffee. How do you know it's coffee? You never know it, those musicians. I guess you have to be behind an organ and a pipe organ at that. In his mind, Howard, uh, could you tell people this is not your permanent place of worship, that y'all are just there, but you got a capital campaign to build a real church? He's halfway joking, but I get the point. This ain't for him up in here. But if he comes, he got to submit too. But we believe God is calling us to practice rightly for this particular body. Now, in verses 26 to 33, and I'm not going through all of it, where it says there's one or two prophecies, one waits, the other goes. If there's tongues, somebody interpret and do this. If there's no interpretation, don't do it. And he's going through all of these ins and outs, back and forth, two or three, one and four, just going back and forth designing things. Paul is doing this for the church. What must be done for all churches, all types of churches? He's laying out an order of worship for the Corinthian church in Corinth and their believers in gift manifestations, which means Christ's central church may not be the worship service or church for you. It is a church. And I think if you come here, you get the grace of God. You get the word of God. I believe that. I believe you worship in spirit and truth. But there are many churches out there operating on the same principles in different ways. You know, in some churches, you ain't had church, so people ran around the church. Y'all know about running? 
I had people say, y'all had church today? Yeah. Did y'all run? Did we run? Did y'all run? <laughs> Did the Spirit come? Yeah, you know, Presbyterian. The Spirit was there, brother. If Christ is there, the Spirit is there. The Bible says that the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son and testifies of the Son. So the Spirit is there. No, was the Spirit there? <laughs> Did anybody stiffen up? Did anybody lose their wig or eyeglasses? Let me explain something to you. I came from all kind of crazy back church backgrounds. I don't care. I just wanted to hit a word. I'd be in all kind of crazy. All kind of stuff happened. This is not a Pentecostal worship service. In our morning worship services, though some of you may believe you have the gifts of tongues and prophecy at work, we have not provided in this particular setting, in this morning worship, for all those gifts to be upstaged, possibly because we see a greater principle of care for who God has given and called us to minister to, being eclipsed and possibly hurt. And understand, we are not by the design of our worship service telling God the Holy Spirit, no. God is telling and directing us through the leadership to give way to some greater principles and gifts that need to be happening at Christ Central Church to happen. Submission, being silent your gifts as the elders of asked are directed, is according to this a principle of orderly and fitting worship. We don't want some things done too loudly or attention-drawingly in here. It is by design that we don't have four or five mics out there. It is by design. I've been in all kinds of churches. It is by design here, yes, that we don't play the soft music waiting for somebody to say a prophecy. Now, I know you've been in churches like that, and I'm not dogging those churches. That's their design. And they play the music soft, and someone comes, and whenever my experience is always in King James language, someone comes with a prophecy. And that's fine. That's them. We don't have that. There ain't no mic out there for you. At morning worship, things are different than even at learning communities and community groups. At learning communities, they may ask you this question, what do you think? I'm not going to ask you that question when I'm preaching. <laughs> what you think? This ain't the Donahue show. I'm old. I'm not going to have somebody, hey, so what you think about what I'm saying? That's, that's not what we do. Not that if somebody else did it, it would necessarily be wrong. You know, some sermons, like this kind of new edgy sermon thing, where they got the pastor actually asking questions and people asking back while he's preaching, I'm not smart enough for that. I got to have my stuff now. I'm afraid doing this moderating thing today. The apostle even expressed here in verse 32 that God has given control over the gifts so that we can submit them to the order and work of God. There is no just, I couldn't help it. Or I just had to get up and sing my own song. Or do my own prophecy when the music got soft stuff. 
If you do it because you couldn't help it, you're out of order. If while I'm preaching you get up and grab the mic, you're out of order. Now, what's this mean? It doesn't mean that you don't have something the Lord's telling you. And, I've, and this, is, this is the second part of this, that God wants our, our, our gifts to be used. I'm not doubting your desire for more freedom and charisma or more quiet. You might be right, but right now in the middle of worship service is not the time to challenge it. Either by willfully being ridiculous loud or whatever, or willfully being quiet when the music person says, clap your hands, stand up, and give praise to God. No. That's wrong too. Come on and sing, put your hands together. No. I won't be manipulated by my emotions. I won't let my emotions be manipulated. That's not godly. What's godly is a lack of submission. That's not godly. Or let's be quiet for a little bit. No, oh, ah. The Spirit's moving me. That's a lack of submission. And what the problem is, we all suffer in that as God is doing what he wants to do here in this church. I'm not going to roll up to somebody else's. I even, I'll tell y'all the truth. I mean, I try to be true to myself wherever I go or preach at other churches. But I also hear, I went to preach at a church, and as I'm getting ready to preach, they're putting the microphone on me. You know, I, I, I preach long. So they're putting the microphone on me. Hey, guys, it's 25 minutes, okay? And I'm like, okay. He's like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I had this sermon, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't do the rest of it. Submission. I couldn't say, well, the Holy Spirit got a word through me. No, the elders got a word ahead of me <laughs> of that church. And I'm going to sit down after 25 minutes. I'm going to pray early. I'm going to do the altar call at, at minute 15. Oh, y'all don't do altar call? Okay, we're not doing it either. This is just some pastoral instruction teaching here this morning. Look at verse 39. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And then look at what's going on in verse 24 and 26. Well, you don't have 24, do you? Um, it says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all. I'm reading 24. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hammer, a lesson, or a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. What I don't want to deny is this. Church happens when your gifts and worship offerings are being used by God. So Paul is instructing even the leaders of the church, don't forbid the use of God's people's gifts. Don't stop God's people from being used in the way they're being called to be used in your church. 
So what he's saying is you need to design a way for people to properly and in order and in dignity and in submission be used. When the offerings of worship are working, operating, submitting to the word and the leadership, we are having church up in here, right? And we are not having church without you being the church and serving and offering and singing and participating. And on the other hand, submitting, being silent, sometimes sitting down and being quiet and listening when someone else is speaking or God has called them to stand up and speak. And when a worship leader says, clap your hands and follow me and you do it, we are having church up in here, right? And having church, again, has different meanings in different churches. And I've talked about that. Which means this, as Paul says here, that two or three or most and then others should sit down. If only two or three are speaking, and let's say there's 40 or 50 in there, what's that mean? Most people are sitting down and being quiet. That church is happening. And spirit-filled. And led when we don't use our gifts out of order. That's the spirit. I mean, think about you. You're Americans. You, you have protested. I guess all of you may be Americans. Maybe not everybody. But you have protests in your blood. And if I say submit and be quiet, ah, somebody's going to get a sign. Have you ever thought how much spirit power must go into you submitting? That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit when, look, I got, I always get in trouble on Facebook. I got some great things to say. All comes, it comes out the wrong way. I'm prophetic. I want to, I just want to get, when I, ooh. And, you know, Bill writes me an email. I totally agree with what you're saying, but you got to shut it down. What? <laughs> Who's he talking to? He's talking to me. And what is it? The spirit is working. Because I was quiet. Me. That's the spirit's work. That's charismatic. For me to be quiet takes a move of the Holy Spirit. It's a move of the Holy Spirit for you to be quiet in this congregation and listen and submit and clap your hands when you don't feel like it and be quiet when you want to shout. Sometimes it takes a work of the Holy Spirit in that direction. And sometimes it takes a work of the Holy Spirit if someone does want to say amen and clap their hands for you to be quiet in your looks. What they doing, man? Come on. Only the Holy Spirit can do this thing. Your brothers and sisters need your offering of worship and gift. Whether interpretation of prophecy, hearing from the Lord, or private prayer of tongues, or something like that, that you would use the opportunity to give them by the word of God in the order and rank of the church to step up and be used and bring it. We're not saying you can't use the gifts. Share it with the elders. What God may be telling you, take a chance. If the Lord is telling you something, if you think you see something, or if y'all had a prayer meeting and, and had a vision, y'all didn't have no other substances going on. Y'all just had a prayer meeting. 
and everybody had a vision. I don't know. I've never been in that situation, okay? Come to the elders. But no, you can't come to this mic on Sunday morning. You can't be like, we had a vision, we prayed, that's the word of God. No! I'll be like, Phelps, whoop, take it down to zero. Microphone check, one, two, three, no, you off. We don't have a Sandman up in here, but we might get the Sandman to take you out. Okay, y'all don't watch the Apollo. Anyway, so... But the point is this, the point is this, don't hold back your gifts. Come to session meeting and talk to us. Well, I want to say it on the mic. No, no. I've changed my sermon series. I've corrected things. I've I, I, I made mistakes up here. I've said things I shouldn't have said. I've had to apologize to people. I've looked at the scripture differently. Uh, the session has thought through things differently. We've worked through things differently. Why? Because some of you weren't quiet in your prayer times. The Lord spoke to you and you came and spoke to us and it changed this. I remember we were at Nick's Auto, me and Kelly, for some reason. We were were looking to buy a van from somebody. And Nick was checking out the van. The van was bummed. It was terrible. He's like, yeah, the bottom's going to fall out. The whole frame, the whole chassis is going to drop out, probably tomorrow. (laughs) But these are nice people. They didn't know their van was bummed. They didn't know that thing was rotted and rusted out on the bottom. They're just trying to bless us. I remember the the lady was like, well, oh, I just thank God. And she was real bubbly and all. And that makes me feel nervous because I'm a control freak. I don't want no, the Lord is speaking to me. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, help me. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad the Lord revealed to us that the van is bad because we don't want to sell y'all a bad van. And I was like, okay, that's good. That's good. So what I want to do right here in the parking lot of Nick's is I just want to pray for y'all. I'm like, oh, Lord, Central Avenue, everybody going around, prayer circle. Oh, no. She was like, hey, my gift is pray." We're going to pray right now. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And we prayed. She prayed for us, our church, our marriage. She prayed. And the Spirit worked because I was quiet. And she prayed. Let the Lord use you. The Lord wants to use you. In our parish model, we really design it for you to be used. Yes, there are a lot of teachers here. There are a lot of shepherds here. There are a lot of counselors in this congregation. There's a lot of people here with guidance. And so we are following Scripture and giving you an opportunity to use your gift. Some of you are worshipers. We need you. I need you to counter me and lift your hands and shout to the Lord. Because I'll sit back there and be pensive as all get out. Man, the chair's a little off this morning. Why do lights look like this? I'm off. 
I'm the preacher. I'm the pastor. And I need your gift to worship. Please bring me out of my shell. Help me. Maybe I'll run one day. And then you'll know it's the Lord. <laughs> Promise I won't be like David, take my clothes off. It'll be, it'll be saying. But I might dance before the Lord one day. Lead me in worship, worship leaders. Singers sing. Shouters shout. Hand raisers raise. Free in this church and our worship to do that. We do it so that God can be grasped. So that the grace of God can be known. That we can have a charismatic experience as a church. You know what charismatic means? Charis. Grace-matic. Grace-matic. That the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would come through in what we're doing. Do you realize what the Bible says about Jesus? That he submitted himself. That he joined in. In the plan of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And took his place as the Son in the Holy Trinity. And submitted so that we can be saved from sin. And as the body of Christ, we live like that. And we submit to one another so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can come through. Not you, but him. The greatest submitter of them all. It says he didn't, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and went to the cross for you and me. And that's the message of the church. What is our submission? What does this picture of submission say? We want God's grace. We want God's spirit to pour in and on us. We want a charismatic experience. Not just an emotional experience. Not just a theological mental experience. Not, not just a solemn, sad, crying, broke down, counseling, I feel bad, depressed experience. A grace experience. And grace comes as Christ submitted and now we submit to him in the order and worship of his church as his spirit moves by the word. It's about Christ being central and not us so that he can save us and draw the world to him his worth for our good his worship his worship so that we can hear the gospel and know him